The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, listeners, before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, special promotion for you. If you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratification of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports on OwnerBox. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through the first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first-time deposit of up to $100. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $100 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you real quick about the giveaways we have coming up for the month of December. Thank you to the lovely listeners of the Bench with Bubba podcast. I tweeted it out. Again, if you can follow me on Twitter at BDNTrick, you'll get all the info there. But if you give a rate and review on iTunes of this podcast, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a handful of prizes from Baseball HQ, Pitcher List, SP Streamer, our guest Eric Rhodes, and much, much more. Tweeted it all out over there on my Twitter handle. Just a rate review on iTunes goes a long, long way to help me out on this podcast. And I'll be giving you guys a little gift as a thank you in the month of December. Starting on December 15th, the drawings will take place. If for some reason you can't leave a rating and review, you can go to the Fantasy Sports DJ's YouTube page and subscribe and like the latest episode. So if you can do one of those two, two things, that would be great. Let me know you did it on Twitter at BDNTrick, and we'll get you in the drawing. Now, enjoy episode 325 of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 325. We got a good one. First timer on our show. He's been all over the podcast world, everywhere. Like, I thought I was, you know, being cool and and sly about the situation, but no, no, everyone's (laughs) on the ball on this one. Uh, You can find his work on the the Twitter at drhoa3 and at jagfantasysports.com. The one, the only, Derek Rhodes. How are we doing, man? Man, I am doing great. It's Friday. I'm so pumped for this weekend. Uh, you know, it, it's good. It's been a long week of work, so I'm excited to to, to talk with you and then going to do a little fantasy baseball prep. It's been – I don't know about you, but, like, you, you're talking about doing prep. I know you've been doing prep, obviously. <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking and drafting right. and you've been tweeting, and it feels like uh, this year it's been kind of earlier than ever, but in years past it's one of those, okay, I guess I'll start getting going, but I've been kind of jonesing for it. Like, I've been enjoying it. How have you felt about – I don't know if it was the shortened season or what it was, but it feels like almost like I want to be doing more fantasy baseball right now. Yeah, actually, I, I think it's partially the the shortened season for me, and partially I made the mistake – not the mistake because it was great, but I went to first pitch Arizona uh, <laughs> two years ago. What is this, 2019, I guess. or Maybe, so maybe that was just last year. And it, they had to push it up 
because of the way the MLB changed the schedule. And so we were, we were first pitch Arizona in like October mm-hmm. and it was like, so like tw- it just started 2020 prep for me. And now my body's just like, okay, well, I guess that's just when we do this now is, is October. Like, you know, yeah. um, so I was drafting at first pitch Arizona lat, you know, in 2019. So now it's just like, well, I guess this is just what we do. It's just human nature. That, that, yeah, that's, that's, right. that's what we are. We are creatures of habit, folks. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So uh, just just feed me what I need, and we will make it work. Um, and I'm I'm with you there. Like I didn't go to first pitch Arizona, but I would always hold out on drafting, hold out on drafting. And then you know I started itching to do some best balls in recent years, and now I've already almost completed two. And I know that's yeah. I know I know you and others are way ahead of me there, but for me. It barely being the start of December, having two drafts in the book, that's way out of context for me. And I'm already like scheduling, like I, you're going to be in one coming up. I have four more analyst leagues coming up. I, I'm trying to space them out just a little bit. Yeah, kind of see kind of always got change. one going. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of see how things change as news comes in, and, and we kind of keep getting content going. But the next one will be starting up soon. I think you'll be in the third one. I have it, I have it all written down somewhere, but you'll be coming up again. And we'll and we'll talk about the first one a little later, but. Let's before we just go full on best ball. Let's talk about sure, sure. the the first thing I, I really noticed uh, when I started following you on Twitter was your injury tool, and people were raving about it. And I am not a smart individual, so when I see a lot of <laughs> graphs and charts, I get scared. Like like Alex Chamberlain is one of the smartest human beings I yep. I meet. I think you said it or someone else said it. And you said it so well. Like I read his article and I pray there's like cliff notes at the end somewhere yes. or something because yeah. I know there's so much goodness in here. I can't figure it out. So when I see certain charts, I'm like, okay, this is kind of scary. But I'm trying to navigate it. Now your injury tool is awesome because it like helps point certain directions. Why don't you let us know about the tool? Like what was the, yeah. the idea behind the tool? And we'll go from there. Okay, sure. So, um, and, and it's funny you mentioned Alex Chamberlain. So the, the tool, and there's actually, there's, there's two different tools and they're both, um, they're both on Tableau, which is the same, uh, same software that Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboards on. Uh, although I say pitch leaderboard, it's so much more than that. It's now. got I mean, everything it, on it. Man. It's, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that same backing. And so what I really wanted was um, number one, I think visuals are cool. I think things that look f- that are visually appealing, I'm just more interested in looking at them. And so I was like, well, I was kind of tinkering around with Tableau and I was like, you know what, you know what I don't see a lot of is injury, injury information, easily accessible. You can go grab it. It should be a database. Like it should just be at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of started tinkering with what that looked like. And, uh, and that's what led to the first, the first tool I built, which is, I call them the injury dashboards. I'll confess. None of these tools are well-named. I'm an accountant by trade. Like we use very like clinical names. And so they're not super creative. Um, but the injury dashboards, there's one for hitters and one for pitchers. And this is a, a tool. This is the first thing I made. It's a great place that you can go and see every injury that has ever happened that that I, I, sh- I shouldn't say every injury, but about 10 years worth of injury data, including day-to-day transactions and IL transactions. And you can see how long the player was out. You can see uh, what type of injury um, visually. So you see there's a, there's a picture of a player. You can see, okay, was it an elbow? Was it a knee? Was it a hand? Whatever. And you could see, compare it to other injuries that happened. So it's great to see injury trends. So my guy gets hurt and I go, hey, how long is he going to be out? Team says six to eight weeks. Let me go look to see how that jives with other players that have had that injury. Is it that same timeline or is it worse or better? Um, so that's really good for broad injury strokes. The second injury tool, and this was just released this year, uh, I call it the injury timeline tool. And this is more for specific players. So, um, you know, I want to go look at... Uh, uh, Steven Strasburg's injury history. And I can go see in a, in a kind of calendar type format, I can actually see how his injuries have happened across the seasons. Uh, and I, I did that because I wanted it for off-season prep. I thought it'd be a really good tool as I'm looking at individual players. Um, and so that one's really great for right now for his team. As people are starting to do their prep, they want to kind of like you know, start to understand maybe some injury risk, just, just at least get an idea of what a player's injury history is. Um, that one's a really good one for that. And that also was the first time I started including some stats. So it has like some, uh, pitcher fastball velocity. It's got max EV for hitters just to try and kind of start to put injuries kind of piece them together with how they relate to the stats players mm-hmm. make. Right. Like, cause we know that it has an effect, even if we can't always quantify it and, and get down to the number that it affects it. Um, so yeah, those are the two tools right now. I think that's, well, obviously they're awesome, but I think it's a couple of things I want to 
to touch on is I like the idea of just I can search a name because you don't know how many times I write an article and I'm like, okay, I know he was hurt last year. When did he get hurt? How many times mm-hmm. was he hurt? And I, I'm like Googling, you know, so-and-so's injuries from two and four. It's like, and, and to get that information should, should be so simple, yep. but it is really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. how difficult it is. So the fact I can go to your little deal and just go boom, boom, and it's all right here is amazing. That helps me out light years. And I know I'm not the only one there. No, no. Yeah, and then I, I love the concept of you integrating stats because it's like, okay, the, the hammock bone. We all know guys lose power unless you're metal. So right. like, okay, this is how it works. Yeah, um, yeah really, he breaks the rules, right? Yeah, he breaks the rules. But like, you know, hamstring injuries, calf injuries, ankles, guys with speed, how does that affect them? Obviously, it slows them down, but how much? Maybe guys are different. And it, it's like, it's a really cool concept. So we're not just, I, I know it's easy as an analyst and everything to be just like, okay, so-and-so is here. Or like you said, when a diagnosis comes, okay, it's four to six weeks. Well, some guys recover fast, some guys don't. Like that mm-hmm. can change, and that'll make your decision on, hey, do I drop this guy or right. what am I doing right. here? Um, I know we'll talk best ball where none of this matters, but um, in the grand scheme of things, if you're paying a lot of money to be in a league, you can't hold on to dead weight, and so no. a little a tool like this helps a lot. Um, yeah. So you're adding stats to it. Where do you envision this thing completely going? Like, what do you want it all encompassing? Do you want to like have Alex Chamberlain's have a a baby with yours, or like what's your, <laughs> what's your plan here? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I do know that I would like to take it, and I was talking uh, with somebody uh, on Twitter about this the other day. But you know, like one of the challenges with injuries, and Jeff Zimmerman has done a ton of research on injuries, and and a big problem is number one, our sample sizes are rarely big enough to like make actionable decisions on Um, and to get our sample sizes big enough, we have to start becoming more vague about what type of injury, you know, you can't go, okay, well, I want to look at knee injuries and you go, okay, well, you know, what kind of knee injury? And you start whittling it down and it's like, well, am I getting information that's helpful? Um, So I'm not exactly sure how much detailed I can get on stats. What I'd love to be able to do is say, okay, hammock bone injury. Here's how long it takes your power to get back. And just like, here's a number, you know, and it'd be a range, but like, but the, you know, the problem is there aren't as many of those injuries as we would like. And even if you start using older injuries, you know, we get better about doing this guys, they've changed bats. So that certain bats don't put as much pressure on the hammock. bone. so it's like so much changes. I don't know how much we can drop in that, but you know, I kind of, danced around the question, I guess. Um, what I, I think I would like to continue finding stats that are meaningful in relationship to injury. So I think the easy right now is, is velocity for pitchers. Yep. Just boom. I can, you know, we, and we know that that velocity, like it's kind of, it's almost instant. I need one game, you know, like right. One game's worth of velocity. You can go, wait a minute, but something's off here. Um, for hitters, I think it's max exit velocity, but I don't know. And so we're kind of still experimenting. So my hope is to continue experimenting and looking. I, I wish I could get sprint speed granularly, like that I could get it like sprint speed before this date and after this date. But I just don't, you know, like we can with Max X, Exit Velo, we just don't have that yet. So yeah. if we do get that, I would love it because I want to see, okay, guy goes with a hamstring injury. How long before he's running at the same speed that he was before the, the you know, the hamstring injury, things like that. Um, so that's where I hope to go. Uh, and I'm always kind of messing with better visuals, better ways to represent something. Um, I'd like to create some more better baselines. Uh, like, you know, uh, the average hamstring injury is this. Like, I'd like to create some more, um, I don't know, better guides around that so it's not as manual of a process. Um, but, you know, all of it is also trying to balance time spent with, you know, benefit. You know, like, so if, if I'm doing something, I want I want to make sure that it's going to be very useful to a lot of people. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's always a balancing act. Yeah, no, that, that just, that's the biggest thing about this is if I'm going right. to put all the time into it, right. there better be a payoff. I know it's, some might think it sounds silly, but if you do it enough, you, it gets a little old real quick when it, the payoff isn't there. Like mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah. Especially because this is free, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's just like a podcast, right? I mean, you're just putting this out there for the world, you yeah. know? And so you, you want to know that it's benefit, you know, you're getting that kind of yeah. payout. Exactly. The whole, the whole concept behind it. So, It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes because it's it's a cool concept because the the, the discussion of injuries has become more prominent in recent mm-hmm. years as as information becomes available. Right, and that's just kind of how the whole injuries, non injuries, anything on a Statcast page, you name it. The more data we get, the more we can analyze things yep. and go. And injuries is a very valuable part of that, as you mentioned. So 
you kind of hit the floor running with that. You mentioned Zimmerman has done a lot of great work in documenting yeah. stuff, but you've kind of put it into visual because I'm with you. Is as a joke I make with Toby every week is you know he's the very very smart analytical mind where I'm more the caveman, and <laughs> so if you can show me pictures and say like the A plus B equals C, I'm going to get a lot farther than having yep. to read a bunch of equations on things. So <laughs> no, completely. Um, and I should say you know there's a little bit of a side to that. There are some things that limits I wish we could get past, but we're but but th- that aren't there yet. Some some of the ways so some of the things that tools can't do. I wish they could. So number one, they're not predictive. So like in the same way that, you know, batting average isn't predictive, you know, it, it, you know, these injuries, they describe the injuries that have happened. It doesn't necessarily mean it'll definitely happen that way again. Mm -hmm. So we can use it to kind of guide our, our thought process, but it's not, I wish it was a little more accurate where I could just say, well, look, here's, here's what it is. Um, Sadly, that's never going to happen. No, <laughs> no, that technology not, right? of recovery changes—it's never going to happen. And they always right. have something we don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and then and then on top of that, the data we get is often vague. Like yeah. teams are not upfront about what's going on. Like I think Matt Chapman's a great example. Last year, they're like, "Yeah, he's got a hip thing," but you know, we're we're gonna it's like initially they're like, "That's not a big deal." And I was like, "Well, no, 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 he had hip surgery." Like, yeah. you know, like, he like needed hip it, surgery. Like, yes, hello. it was like, it was like, you know, less than like a week or two later. It's like, oh yeah, no, no, no hip surgery. It's like, oh, okay. So, it, so it wasn't just nothing, you know? And it's like, um, so like that doesn't help. No. Um, and then I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm an, like, I don't know. I said I was an accountant. That's, that's all I am. And so like, you know, I'm kind of limited to that extent. So sometimes people ask me stuff on Twitter and I'm always happy to kind of, you know, bounce back and forth. Like, but I don't, you know, I don't have the medical background. So, you know, it's always good to fall back on these folks who are, um, you know, there's some great people on on Twitter who do the fantasy baseball specific, you know, medic, and they have medical backgrounds, they have physio backgrounds, stuff like that. And this tool in no way replaces it. And I, in my mind, it's, it's a, it's a supplement and a kind of an addition to what they're doing, you know, cause they can't always be saying something like right, right then. So, you know, it gives us an immediate thing to start creating some boundaries and then they can kind of help filter down, and tell us what's going on later. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I'm looking forward to seeing where it can go because it's going to be interesting again this year. I have a feeling is it might not be a smooth sailing uh, of a start to the season that guys, you know, even Eno Saris is already saying he expects the pitcher injuries already. Like it's coming. I was going to reference that. Yeah, I saw him. He tweeted that the other day. And that's what kind of made me do a, you know, mental note to look and see at 2020 injuries and see if I can kind of create some, just put some numbers to that. Um, so people can kind of see it. Cause I, 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 I would tend to agree. You got all these guys, you know, it doesn't matter that in my mind, and this is just kind of, you know, I know these, you know, these guys have been pitching kind of, you know, offside, or maybe they weren't, you know, maybe during, you know, when things were shut down, they were pitching at home or whatever. That's, we know that, there's been research done on um, like pitcher injuries as a result of like stress related pitching. So, so pitching under duress, pitching, you know, in intense situations is more stressful on pitchers than pitching with nobody on and things like, you know, like things like that. And so like um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about pitchers next year. Like, like uh, I'm very nervous. Nervous isn't the right word. I am, uh, going to be very cautious about the types of pitchers that I'm drafting because I think the, yeah, I think the injuries, and it doesn't mean any pitchers are safe, but like it's coming. Yep. It's coming. And we will definitely hit that up here in a minute, but we'll transition to best ball now. Cause that I wanted to hit on that shortly, yeah. but first, before we get into actual best ball strategies, the other kind of tool you've built uh, is the best ball draft dashboard, which I think is really cool because for fan tracks, because there really isn't a spot to find fantasy baseball, uh, best ball ADP. In many places. Right. So what, 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 where do you get this information? Like, do you have access to all these drafts or how does this all come to be? Yeah. So the, so, um, so there's a couple things. So one, I track my own ADP. So every draft I'm in, I, I get the draft results for, I track it. I have a way to do that. Fantrax does not, uh, unlike uh, BB10s uh, or NFBC data, you can't go download uh, best ball specific data from Fantrax. So what you see in the, um, in the draft room, that's that is that is just Fantrax best, or that is all their their leagues. It's all grouped together. Um, so a lot of times, I'll post ADP data on Twitter. Um, the Best Ball Draft Sheet is a is a tool that's designed to help players who are either not comfortable making spreadsheets, uh, they you know, or they or they think it's a hassle. 
It actually comes preloaded with the settings for Fantrax Best Ball. Um, you can upload your favorite uh, projections from Fangraphs, and um, and then you can also use it to help track your draft as you're going on. So Fantrax is great when you're doing a draft. You can download the draft results into a into an Excel file. You copy and paste this into the draft tool, and all of a sudden you're tracking draft results instead of having to hand enter or go click a guy and say he was entered, stuff like that. Some things that other draft tech tra- other draft trackers use, um, and it gives you a dashboard to kind of say, okay, well here's where Steamer has the best projected players in the league. Here's how here's who's left. Here's how my team's doing relative to the other teams. You know, pitching, hitting. Um, it also gives you the ability to add custom projections if you disagree with Steamer. Um, things like that. So it's really just designed to be a cheap. It's five dollars. You know, I, I'm trying to make um, uh, best ball specifically as accessible as possible because I think more so than other drafting. Um, I just think there's less resources out there for it than some of the other formats. Roto, you can go out, you can go get, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, Fangraphs has their uh, auction calculator. That's great. You could use it for best ball. In my opinion, I think you want something a little different, um, but it would work. I mean, you could put the points system, but this prevents people from having to do that. Um, and so this is very, you know, catered for the best ball fan tracks product. And uh, so I tried to make it really uh, affordable it's five dollars. It's on Google Sheets, so you can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Um, there's a couple walkthroughs trying to explain how to use it. Um, just so if somebody's like, "Hey, I've never done a best ball before. I'm not sure how these players are," you know, for five bucks, you can just kind of pick up and run with this, and you at least get an idea of where players are, and it will help you organize and track your draft as you're moving along. And I'd highly recommend it, obviously, because it's a great tool, and Derek's a good guy, but um, he's very smart when it comes to best ball. And the one thing I've learned starting best balls in recent years, and I'm still learning as I do drafts, that's the fun part about each draft to draft, seeing things and the player pools and all that. The point system is not your normal roto system. No, no. So it'll throw you. I remember last yeah. year, it was last year or the year before I did my first one, and I'm drafting away, and I'm seeing certain guys go off the board. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And then all of a sudden I see my roster at the end, and I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, this is the problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. So. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's a different animal. Some guys have much more value. Some guys do not. So mm-hmm. it uh, changes things. Also with fan tracks, and I, and I, I want to get your your thoughts on this. Yeah, one thing that bugs me, like I, uh, like the NFPC, I love. We like I talked to Brian Seymour about it. The NFPC format's amazing. Like the draft room. Oh, it's um, a beautiful draft room. It's everything's great. The problem for me, and I know a lot of other people, is they don't have hundred and fifty plus dollars for every league that they can play. In. Right. So that makes things tough, and that's not a slight at them. That's just what happens. So that's where fan tracks becomes awesome. You can play for ten bucks. You can play for all kinds of different prizes. Um, like, but the NFPC fifties, I'm doing those. They're draft and hold, so they're not best ball. Right. But the, the, the where I'm going with this is in the, the NFPCs. You have like middle infield, corner infield. You have utilities, all these other deals. Where fan tracks is like first base, second base, and it's very like on NFPC you still have guys with multi-position eligibility, but yep. fan tracks, it's like, nope, they have one position. Yeah. And so when you're a guy like me who plays a ton of Roto, and I'm like, okay, I like these guys because I know I can be flexible here and blah, blah, blah. And then you sit there and go, oh, no, they only rate here. And that really burns you. So how do you go about that? Like, do you do you, are, do you wish fan tracks would change that? Uh, selfishly, no, because I'm well, used to it. Well, there's an advantage for you probably. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I'm used to it. Uh, actually, the biggest reason is um, – I like to do a lot of analysis and, and if you ever, if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably already tired of it. Uh, I, I post a lot of like funky things about these, these leagues because, because they're single eligibility, they're really easy to actually just like recalculate these leagues. I can, you know, like I actually have databases where I just re I actually track the scoring myself um, for these leagues because they're single positions. You can do it. When you start adding multi-positions, it like, it takes a smarter programmer than me to do it. Um, but it does force you into different decisions. Um, I I've noticed like it, like, and I've done, um, the NFBC now has uh, a best ball product. That's a similar depth to the fan tracks product. It's 46, um, players. And I did one of those and it, it is different when you have those multi positions, you're just not forced into the same decisions that you are in fan tracks. Um, so I kind of like it, uh, but it is one of those things like it takes a little bit of getting used to, because I think when you're drafting and with multi-position, especially this year, I don't feel like there is any, any, you know, uh, position where you're like, oh, there's not enough depth at this position. Yeah. 
Like there's there's positions I like more than others, but not a, you know, but it's not a debt. In fan tracks, like there are some positions where you're like, whoo, whoo, this one, like, this no, one's no, gone. It, <laughs> it just it just happened to be like in round twenty four. I have Yohan Moncada at third base, and you know, Dude, you want third at least base. Two guys, and I'm sitting going. I took Isaiah Kenner for left in round twenty four, which I would never do on the face of the planet ever. Yep. But I'm like, I need a backup third baseman, and I might need one more still. And there's like five guys left. Yep. Like I'm, I'm screwed. Third base is ugly in a fan tracks yeah. format. It is. Yeah, multi position. There's a lot of guys with third base. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of first and third guys. A lot of second and third guys. You know, things like that. You just don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's one thing I continually am learning with the with the process. And then like shortstop, for instance, I want to get your thoughts on this. We know how deep it is. We know mm-hmm. how top heavy, awesome it is. But you don't have a middle infield, so you can't put two out there. You got one. So like, say I grab Tati. Say I grab guys Story Turner. You're not going to come back with another shortstop right away because well, I, well, yes, you could if you think someone's going to hurt, but why? Like, why well, so, would you? Like, what's your strategy there? So, one thing I, that I think can help if you think if you think of it. So, you have all these positions, but you also have three utilities. And when you play over on the NFBC, whether it's a BB10 or if it's their new product, you have one utility spot. So you have, you know, um, and so sometimes I, I will mentally just say, okay, I actually have a middle and two utility spots or, you know, and kind of just think of it that way and just say, look, I'm locking down. It depends on the draft. But if, if like in a situation where you had Tatis at it, at, I think at a pretty good price, like, you know, like a seventh or eighth overall, yeah, I'm like, you're not going to get him much better than that. Right. Like he's not going to fall farther than that. So you say you take him there and then maybe, uh, you know, you come to around four and for some reason, Lindor is still hanging out yeah. and you just say, you know what, Sh- screw it. I'll just double up. And then I, and then you've just got one of the utility spots filled. And then I probably wouldn't draft another shortstop if I do that. Like I'm done at shortstop, and then that I guess that's where the strategy comes into play. Where I'm thinking like it just changes so much of the game, and I love yeah. it. That's why I'm having so much fun with it because mm-hmm. I I love them because you get to learn the player pool, and that's one thing I always emphasize year in yeah, year out. Deep, the right, pool. very yeah. deep player pool. Like you start seeing guys that go, oh my goodness, but it's also great because you start to see these positions where they kind of dry up, or mm-hmm. maybe not dry up in a, in a multi position league, but if you have an injury or two, then it dries up pretty quick. Yeah. Like things like that that changes where you can kind of correlate it to what you're doing elsewhere um what are some of the you, you've done a handful of drafts already i know you do a lot on fan tracks but you do bb10s and we had brian seymour tell us the differences that are are yeah. there i think i prefer the fan tracks version of things i'm the same um, way. what are some of the big trends you're seeing obviously starting pitchers flying but what are the trends you're seeing these days yeah and i do think that is actually really worth pointing out um when i started doing fan tracks this is i think my fourth year of drafting these best balls uh, over on Fantrax. And when I first started out, people were still kind of adjusting to this idea that you have to take pictures in this format early. Um, and it's kind of been steady, steadily increasing each year. People are like, okay, I get it. You know, you get more people who are more comfortable with the format. They realize you need, it's, it's, there's been some drafts I've been in this year where I feel like we're almost ju- like we're almost going too far with pitchers, um, especially because I think we're going into a year of uncertainty with pitching. So, you know, sometimes what I've seen happen is like people are like, oh, crap, pitcher's going. I need to get a pitcher. And then they start jumping guys. So you go, wait a minute. Like there's more risk with the type of pitcher you're jumping. Looks good in a format where you have ad drops. I think you take him and you go, look, when he gets hurt, I'll just put him on the DLR, drop him. Uh, you can't do that in best ball. If he gets hurt, he's stuck on your roster. Um, and so I'd say that's probably the biggest trend I've seen is people are more aggressive on pitching. I think to some extent people are, are aggressive, um, over aggressive on pitching. Um, and I, I would, you know, I think this year I will find myself swerving a little bit more and, and having some more hitty heavy, hitter heavy teams than I would have in years past because of the, I think people are letting hitters fall. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point. And I know it's still, I, I'll, I keep referencing the NFBC 50s. And I want to clarify for everybody. And I'll yeah. try not to clarify every time. That's a draft and hold format. It's still it's important different. to know, though. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's you can adjust your roster, but there's still no ad drop, so it, it's different. But there mm-hmm. are some similarities when mm-hmm. you're when you're drafting things. And one thing I did there because you said that the hitters were falling, they were. So I was getting hitter heavy, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just add a few extra pitchers at the end. Yep, compared just to make up in volume. Do. Yeah, and like you know, when you have the chance, especially there where you can best ball is the same basically, but where you can pick and choose what weeks you want to start them. Best ball obviously picks the good right. weeks to play them. So it, you can go like, okay, screw it. I'm not going to pitch them, you know, maybe three quarters of the season, but those four two-star weeks they have, I'm throwing them out there, and it's awesome. Yeah. And that works in that scenario. So I'm with you there. 
Um, what is your usual philosophy? Is it like 60-40 pitching hitting? Um, I know you might go heavier this year, like you said. What do you, what do you usually go for? So um, when I'm looking at uh, how I value players, I go straight down the middle. I do not use a split um, like with the best ball format. Um, so I, now, I, you know, I do based on roster settings, you know, you're going to take a certain amount of pitchers, certain amount of hitters. Um, and I tend to think of it more in that way. But as far as like when I run through my personal valuations, um, I know, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, if you run an auction calculator, they're going to force like a split, a pitcher, a pitcher dollar split. I do not do that. Uh, my thought process being is that uh, you don't need, it doesn't matter where your points come from. If you, if you get all your points in hitting, if you somehow miraculously get every, uh, the greatest hitters of all time and your pitchers bomb, if that's enough to win, that's enough to win. It doesn't, you know, it's not like in Roto where half your points have to come from pitchers, right? Sure. Like, um, and so because of that, I don't make an adjustment. I, I have a replacement value adjustment based on the number of pitchers I think will be drafted, but not necessarily like a force hitter pitcher split. That's such a great concept, though, that I don't think many people even think about that. In Roto, you have to get pitcher points. You have to get hitter points. So right. you don't have a choice. Like you want to get the most balanced upside type team in theory. Obviously, there's angles to it. And you could tank, right, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could tank saves if you want to do yeah. this, that. But you still need these categories to come at some point mm-hmm. in time. Where in best ball, you just want points. And that's why even with pitchers, it's like obviously you get more points for like wins and saves and stuff. But right. Hey, if you get a great setup, man, like if, like Devin Williams, who strikes out 50 guys in 20-something innings, He's going to get you a bunch of points, and you know you got him around forty nine probably last year or something. Yeah, so, unfortunately, you're not yeah. getting him in forty nine this year. No, I think I <laughs> yeah. took him. I took him in our draft. I think yeah. I'm going to go. I'll look real quick here. I got him at um, round fourteen. I thought was I thought that fell farther than I thought he would. I thought he well, that's what I was, was going to look up what his ADP was in the drafts in the drafts I've been, but he's definitely like he. You know, people aren't sleeping on him. You know, I mean, no. he's he's going uh, well because if they trade Hater, he's going to walk right into that safe situation. Yeah. And I think even more than that, I think people are recognizing that like, you know, he can have some, even if he, even if Hader doesn't get traded, he's not a nothing, yeah. you know, he, 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 uh, um, i try and tap dance while I pull this up. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, he's, he's still going to get you something. Yeah. Um, and he's going to get a lot of appearances. He's not going to be like a, you know, here and there guy. He's probably gonna pitch three to four times a week. And he's right. gonna, yeah. So he's going to get his, um, and there's, there's other teams like that. So that's one thing I noticed when I get later in drafts, I start looking for those kind of relievers. I'm like, you know, they might get a few saves here and there, but if anything, they'll get you good innings and they're going to get you points that way, mm-hmm. you know, in case you have a bad week somewhere. But um, we mentioned the pitching trends. Are there any other trends you're looking at that are standing out? Like are certain things going earlier than others that you're not used to or uh, anything along those lines? Um, you know, we have a lot of uncertainty about guys coming over uh, international players this year or, or guys coming back here. Um, that's kind of unique. I don't know that I remember having that many, you know, usually it'd be like one guy, you know, I like, yeah. you know a couple of years ago it was, you know, Kelly and then it was, you know, uh, Thames, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's like a couple. And now it's like, there's like some legit guys, you know, yeah. who could be difference makers and we just don't know, you know, we think they're coming over. We think that's all going to happen. So I think that's actually a little unique. There's a little more uncertainty. And then coupled with that, you have the uncertainty around prospects. Um, so I think normally we would have a really good idea of when these guys are going to come up. Um, and I don't know. I feel much less confident this year than I have in years past. Yeah. Uh, and you've okay. seen it in the ADP. Like, so if you look at, um, I don't have it with me, the 2018, is that the year that, that Acuna came up? I think 18? so, yes. 18. Yeah. So like people were drafting him in the top 10 rounds. Like oh, yeah. he, was, he was being aggressively drafted. And I think Wander Franco, even though he's not the same type of player, like he's that level of skill. Mm-hmm. People aren't drafting him there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just don't know. And some of that's the race, but I think some of it is we just don't know. You know, we have one less year of data than we normally have. Um, so I think the, those are both kind of unique to to this season, um, this lack of uh, minor league season that we had. Now, when it comes to that, because obviously these prospects, you don't know when they're going to come up. These these foreign players, you don't know where they're going to sign, if they're going to sign. Mm-hmm. So many question marks. So let's just let's just group it together. Players with question marks. How aggressive are you? Or do you just like completely cross them off your draft list? Uh, what like everyone's got a, a, a price. So like, if right. guys fall, you you obviously are going to try and take them. But are there certain guys where you're like, you know what, where their ADPs at? There's no way I'm drafting these kind of guys. So I have not drafted prospects. Um, so I will probably not own a singer, a single share of Franco. I will not own 
some of these other guys that are getting drafted, I they just won't be on my roster. One exception, uh, if the guys played last year, like if they played in the playoffs, if they got a cup of coffee, like I, I probably will keep those guys kind of, you know, because that just to me shows a team willing to let them. Like a Kirilov maybe? Kirilov is a great example. Yeah, like he's a guy who I and will And they just got rid of Rosario, so it's like, okay, we're right. kind of opening the door, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's what it kind of seems like. So that's a guy where I think it's a little bit different. But most of these other prospects, I'm not going to touch them. And if, if I miss out, like I miss out. Like, that's just, yeah. you know. That's kind of how I am, even in like season longs yearly. A guy's got to fall for me. Like I've never had yep. Louis Louis Robert. I've never like all these guys because as fun as they are, as great as they are, I play DFS. I'll play them in DFS. Like <laughs> I, I'll have my fun there because there's just so much volatility. Where you know some guys are great at fantasy because they can take risks and then find ways to fix it. Yeah. I'm more of a, I want a really strong floor and then we'll go make things happen kind of guy. Yeah. And um, those guys don't give me that floor. He's going into it. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned Wander Franco. He's a very popular one. He's a little banged up now. The Rays are the Rays. I know Jason Collette came out recently saying they're not going to bring him up until he's, you know, eligible. Like they're, they're just not going to, it's the Rays way. So then it comes down to, well, what's the season format going to look like? There's so right. many question marks with Franco. Like we, we never saw clinic last year when everyone kept saying, we're going to see Jeremy, uh, Jared clinic. It's a tough one. And if you, you know, a 50 man roster losing one guy shouldn't completely destroy your team. It shouldn't. But where you're taking them in the draft could destroy your team. Well, and I think when you start talking 40 man rosters, I think that you start. And, and the other difference is, and this is something I don't think people adjust well to draft and hold versus best ball. But when I'm looking at a best ball team, I expect every player on my team to contribute towards my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say that, it's like, even my 40th round player, like I expect them to contribute. Now, some guy, you know, my third catcher is less likely to contribute than, you know, my 16th pitcher. But I expect my 16th pitcher to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're playing a draft and hold format where you're setting a lineup, you're hoping you don't have to start your 16th pitcher, right? Like like you draft them as if you might, but the reality is like you're only playing them in, in a spot where you definitely think you're going to get some it's benefit. It's a great glass in case of emergency situation. Right. Yeah. right, versus in best ball, you don't have to guess when they're going to be good. They'll mm-hmm. just they'll pop when they pop. Um, and so I think that people struggle with that adjustment and they think of those last five rounds as throwaway picks and they're not like they're really, uh, I did some research before the 2020 season and basically like teams that won, they crushed their last five picks. Now it doesn't mean that those players played every week, but they got significant value from those players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's important to, to be critical with every pick. No, that makes a ton of sense. It really does. You know, every little bit you can get out of every position, is going to go a long ways because you're going to have injuries along the way. You're going to have guys hit slumps. Even the best players hit mm-hmm. a slump. So if you can have that one guy from each little spot chip in here and yep. there, yep, even exactly. if it's just a few points, it goes a long, long way. So I like yep. that quite a bit. Um, when you're looking at uh, the current best ball format right now, looking at, like, say, our league, or let's just have fun. It could be our league. It could be any of them you've done. What are some of the names that you're seeing maybe on your ADP sheet that are coming off as like some big values for you? Like you're seeing, oh, wow, this, these guys keep falling and it's really not changing at all type stuff. Yeah. So, and, and some of this you'll see is, is more my philosophy than it is anything else, but I tend to be looking not necessarily for the sexy picks mm-hmm. as much as I am like the guys who I just think people are either misreading playing time or they're just not taking advantage of the upside of an older player uh, who maybe, you know, they could get hot. They could be, you know, or just affect how much value consistency is, especially when you talk, start talking later in the draft. Um, so one guy I'm on now, I kind of broke these down into guys in the three hundreds and guys in the four hundreds. Okay. Um, and I may be out on a limb on a couple of these. You may think I'm crazy. Oh, be uh, fun. Shogo Akiyama. Love it. In, in specifically in fan tracks where it's a, it's a, uh, it's an OBP based format. So you're getting points for your walks. Um, you don't get points for doubles or triples. So you get points for hits and home runs. So guys like him who maybe, you know, he's not going to hit a bunch of home runs, but I expect him to hit like, uh, and I think he will, you know, he'll have a lot of singles. Um, I think he has value, you know, a similar value to a guy who would hit us, who hit the same amount of like doubles or something like that. Um, I think he's going to hit at the top of that order um, for a good chunk of the season. You know, I think that they'll play around. They kind of move their, their lineup around a little bit, uh, but he's a guy that I like. And I don't think people are people, you know, like I don't, Last year, he's his first year in the league. You know, he's adjusting, coming from another country. Like, I just – I'm not going to look at last year and say that's who he is, uh, especially, you know, because I think he made improvements as the season went on. Um, so he's a guy – I'm getting a lot. 
Well, and he walked a ton last year. Mm-hmm. And especially, okay, like you mentioned, he started off really slow. And then his second half, they started putting him every day at the leadoff spot. He wasn't really platooning as much, walked a ton, and he stole a lot of bags in those mm-hmm. last like two to three weeks. And if you can kind of put that into 2021 and say he does that for like three quarters of the season and you're getting them where you're getting them in a points format, and that's I just keep, what, what I want to keep hammering home is the points format so different. And you were, yeah. you, were, you were breaking it down. There's guys that really don't seem like they're like sexy picks, but like a Brandon Belt, he walks a ton. He drives and runs. Yeah. Like, he's not great, but you're going to get him really, really late. He's going to be your second or third first baseman. Like it's a guy that'll have some hot streaks that'll fill in. Like I've had him circled for a while in our league that, you know, eventually I'm going to try to get him or someone along those lines. It's just one of those deals that there's certain players that uh, go a lot better. I guess one thing they could say is you, you said it also, it's more of an OBP format. So yeah. when you're doing your projections, even if you're on, like you said, fan graphs, auction calculator or whatever, make sure you make it an OBP format. Don't yep. make it a, don't, don't try to overcomplicate yep. it. Like just OBP, just go that route. It'll help you a ton. And Shogo's going in like 375 ADP. Like, I'm going to take a guy who's starting, who I think is going to be starting most days. I'm going to take him in that in that price point. No doubt about it. Uh, who are some other guys you're, uh, you're um, looking at later? So, you know, if if you read Jeff Zimmerman's uh, Mining the News, uh, which you should if, if, if you're not. If you're um, listening to this show, you better be listening to like, or reading Mining the News. <laughs> there's so many tidbits in there. Uh, but one, he talked about Mike Mayers. Uh, it was one of the first ones coming off the – I think that's how you say his last name. He's uh, the Angels uh, relief pitcher. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, he's a guy I'm taking a chance on. I hope he gets the closer job. Like, uh, you know, like, and again, it's because he's going late. If he's a good pitcher. Like, so if I'm going to take a risk on a guy who doesn't have the job, I want him to be a guy who I think is going to be good. So I don't want, you know, like, I don't like, I don't know. I'm not going to take a, a chance on, on a guy who's kind of on the edge uh, of the closing job. If he's not a good pitcher, cause I think he's going to lose it. And True. you know, guys who aren't good pitchers, like they're not giving you those couple three or four strikeouts a week. Um, you know, even if they don't get saves, um, so he's a guy I like to take a chance on again, late. You're talking the three hundreds back into the three hundreds. Um, I think he's an interesting guy to be trying to, trying to sneak some, uh, some saves, some closer opportunity out of. I like that call quite a bit. I took him in my NFBC 50 late. Yeah. Um, what, what I, what I wanted to ask you there, since it is a points format and we're mm-hmm. not requiring X amount of innings or starts or any of that nonsense that we might do in a season long, how do you obviously starting pitchers can get more points in their starts than relievers and closers, but it's not always the case. So how do you go about differentiating starters, closers, or just kind of how the draft flows? Do you prefer starters over closers? What do you go? Um, normally I would prefer starters over closers. Uh, this year with the uncertainty around pitcher injuries, I'm actually leaning. I'm t- I end up taking more, more relievers. Um, obviously that's a little risky because uh, we know every, as every year's progressed, you know, closers defined closers become more and more rare. Um, So that's why I'm looking for a type of, of, of relief pitcher. So I'll take an elite closer. If I feel like they have the job, if, and they are a good pitcher, then I will take those guys. And if they lose the job, okay. Um, But I still want to take those guys later. I don't, you know, there's a couple guys. I'll jump. I'll take uh, Hendricks. I'll take. Um, I mean, who else am I? I've taken some Ryan Presley um, guys like that who I feel relatively comfortable that they have the job. Um, I'll take those guys, um, but then I don't want those middle group, those guys who are like not good. You know, uh, Matt Barnes is a great example of guy. Like he's got the job. I don't know if he's good. Like, and I know that Boston's not good. <laughs> in situations like that's where I wanted to go with it because, like, we you mentioned Mike Mayer from uh, Anaheim. You mentioned Boston. You have Darwinian Hernandez back there. That's right. a flamethrower, maybe a future closer. Like, I don't mind taking a chance on him late in a, in a mm-hmm. draft. Now, when you so you, you have like the, the these locked in guys like you mentioned, and then you have this kind of glob. Um, do you maybe target later in drafts getting the globs potential backups as your pitching options, or do you go, or do you go for like a fifth starter somewhere? Like, how do you, how do you differentiate yeah. where you want to go? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, if I'm still filling out my, my starting, so you start nine pitchers in fan tracks, I don't want to have questionable closers in my top nine pitchers, like at all. Um, so until the starters start to run out, unless somebody just falls a lot farther than I think they should, um, I don't. I don't want 
a closer to be one of those guys. That's not that one. I don't want one of those middling closers to be one of those guys, if that makes sense. No. Um, and then later, if I'm going to take a risk on a guy, yeah, it is somebody who I think could take a take a job or is going to get multiple inning appearances. And so that then maybe I could get four to five innings out of them in a week um, and sneak a win, yeah, some strikeouts. Yeah, like I think those guys are valuable specifically in this year, last year and this year because, you know, starters aren't pitching as long. They're getting hurt a lot. Like, so I don't think that's a forever trend personally. Like, you know, I think we are going to like as when when starters start to stabilize again, you know, you'll see more consistent five inning guys and things like that. Um, next year, I bet we could see a lot of like what we saw this year, which is like much fewer guys who are going deep into games. Um, All right. We, we've kind of, we've kind of tiptoed around it by saying this season many times. Yeah. Um, it's a listener question that uh, yeah. I guess let, let me let me pull it up. Get to it now, and then we'll do with the rest of the listener questions later. But I just want to get this out here on a more of a open format. This is from last week when we were supposed to record, but yeah, I screwed that one up. So um, <laughs> let me see here. Um, at Perfect Papa asks, if you were to take a wild guess, how many games will be scheduled or played next season? How many do you think actually get played? Does the length of the season affect strategy of picking players? I think that's a very important question when you're when you're planning for this. So, like, first off, we'll, we'll break this down into sections. Right now, when you're drafting, are you drafting in your head on a full season? Yes. Okay. I, what do you, what do you think will really happen? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I, think you, I think you have to draft with the best information you have right now. Yeah. Um, and as far as we know, it's a full season. I, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have felt very confident we were getting a full season, but we're starting to see grumblings and it seems like it's mostly going to be about money. Yep. Uh, and the, you know, if the players play a full season, my guess is they're going to want their full salaries yep. uh, and the owners don't want to pay that. So, um, you know, it seems like maybe that's what, you know, I wonder if we see some type of abbreviated season or maybe we see some, something in between, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we get full game, full season, but it's like a shortened schedule. So we have the seven inning double headers back or, I, you know, I don't know. Like, um, but it seems unlikely we're going to get 162 games, normal season, um, which I get again, surprise, like that's what it kind of just feels like they're talking about right now. Yeah. That, that's the feeling I have. Like I'm with you like a few weeks back. I was very calm. Like spring training schedules are coming. Yeah, out. right. I'm like, yep. I'm like we're rolling. Like it's going to yep. happen. Like I wasn't confident in like big people, like groups and stands. I'm still not confident right. in that. But yeah, like, we're, we're going to play ball. Like football, as goofy as it is, they're playing. NBA's rocking and rolling into their season. Yeah. Hockey's like all these things are working, and it's, it always comes back to. I've said it even last year. If these guys want to play, they will stay safe and make it work. Like that's just it comes down to that. That's that's the grand scheme of it. Um. But now, like you're saying, it's really depressing kind of how it was last year. It comes down to money every stinking time when these guys make billions of dollars every year and you took one hit. I'm sorry. Like, really, plan better. You're an accountant. Basically, like, you know, <laughs> shouldn't she have, like, a, a program here? She don't lose everything in one year when you're an owner of a baseball team. But um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm thinking 130-ish, 140 is probably more relevant. Like, they'll – They'll wait for all the vaccines that come out. They'll do all because by then, if you think one thirty ish or so, that's like a Juneish start, right? You think all the vaccines have hopefully been out by March or, or April. at least start, right? They're starting to get out. Yeah, yeah. So then you can start seeing like the CDC or someone going, okay, you can have like a third of your stadium, or yeah. you could have a half. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the owners start saying, okay, we can make a little money, we can pay. Like and then it starts to kind of make everybody yeah. happy. That's where I see it going. And and I think the way that affects you if you're drafting, the only thing I can come up with personally that I think it would affect is these guys who are recovering from long-term injuries. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're somebody who is interested in drafting uh, uh, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, Sale, like if you're the kind of person who's wanting to draft those guys, I'm not, I don't care how much of a season we have. I'm not drafting those guys. Um, but it becomes more palatable when they're only going to miss 30 games or 40 games as opposed to 80 games or something like that. Um, so then I think those kind of guys maybe become a little more interesting, um, but that's not a gamble I'm super interested in jumping on, but I do think that's the type of player that actually changes value in this, in this context. No, I agree that that changed value for me last year for guys. And we started drafting the second yeah. go around, second go around of drafts, not the first ones, but the, <laughs> the second go around of drafts. I, I totally, I took a few more gambles on certain guys. Yeah. And, okay. They're going to be good, but um, 
yeah, I still would be kind of nervous on this full season and how it's going. Um, on, on the flip side, we kind of talked about prospects earlier and foreign players. Mm-hmm. Well, we just saw a bunch of guys get non-tendered. Like we got the Rosarios, Mikel Frank, who actually came off a good year, who in points was actually yep. decent. Like I had him circled. I was so I was going to take him like four days ago. Then he gets non-tender. <laughs> I'm like, Isaiah Kinnerfalef, it is. Yeah. Um, what are you doing with those guys? Because the talent level is really good, and you imagine they're going to sign, but they could sign in a platoon or something. So where yeah. are you going there? Yeah, I'm treating them all a little bit different. Um, uh, you know, Rosario, wherever you were going to draft him before. Uh, you know, I think you just take off a round maybe because I doubt that whatever offense he goes to is probably not going to be as good as the offense he was in. Um, you know, and that offense, I guess, wasn't going to be as good as it was last year probably either. But, um, you know, so I, I might dip him a little bit. Schwarber, there's a chance he's in a platoon, which, you know, in like a strict platoon where he, you know, so you got to knock some of the playing time off there. So, you know, for me, I'm going to watch. If those guys fall some, you know, the talent didn't change. I think they will, you know, I feel pretty confident they'll get jobs. I'm in on them. Yeah. Franco, I'm a little more nervous about. Um, he had a good year, but he has to go to a bad team because a good team's not going to play him every day. At least I don't think so. Like, you know, and I, you know, I think that's something you have to worry about. You know, like if the Orioles, if he signs with the Orioles, okay, I can live with that. You know, if he signs with a team that is maybe not like at the height of their you know, competitive curve, like then I think he's locked into a full-time job and he'll play most days and you, you can be happy with that. Um, that's why I was happy, you know, when he was on the Royals, I thought that was a great spot for him because he's trying to kind of, you know, uh, bounce back, solidify himself as, as a player worth playing. And and he's good. I don't want to take it away from, like, I think he's good, but I always worry about fringy-ish guys um, that, uh, that could lose their jobs um, if, if they're on a competitive team. All right, and that, that'll kind of take another full circle approach here. I'm approaching the season as there's going to be a DH. I, I'm thinking they're using it as a bargaining tool mm-hmm. with the players. Like, hey, you're not going to get it, but we'll give it to you if you give us this. Because in the end, you know, if you had the DH, it's 16 more jobs. Like, it just it does so many seems, things. Everybody has to – I don't understand. It, it seems like everybody wants this. Like, yeah. like, like nobody's like, oh, we got – I mean, it's as far as baseball. It doesn't seem like there's yeah. anybody in baseball who's like, we can't have this. So it's just that deal. And so like I was, you know, I wrote up first base and third base for the black book. And a lot of those guys played a boatload of games at designated hitter. Yeah. So if you start safe for some weird reason, we don't get DH. Well, guys we're drafting now could take some hits. Do you take that into consideration? Cause I'm playing it like there's a DH. So I'm not, and I'm just going to get screwed if it happens, but how are you going about it? I'm playing it like there's going to be a DH. Okay. Um, thankfully, uh, most of the guys I'm kind of eyeball that, that I tend to fall like not too many of them would be slapped by it, but they're, but it does trickle down, right? Like Cincinnati's a great example, right? Like they have too many outfielders, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, and, and they're good. Like, it's not that they're bad. Um, and so it's like, you know, if they don't have a DH, like where does Sinzel, like does Sinzel definitely get a spot on the infield? Like, you know, they've got Winker, Akiyama, uh, Castellanos, like they have a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if they don't have the DH, that, that squinches everybody. So even even the player, even if the player you're drafting isn't necessarily a guy who's a full time DH, he might get some squish, uh, kind of trickle down. Um, but but I'm personally going to just go ahead and assume that there's a DH. Yeah, I'm with you as well, and I'm hoping to get that figured out. It's gonna be a long off season. So let's it hop seems into crazy the that they haven't figured that out yet. It's just a stupid bargaining chip. It's really all it is. Just. <laughs> politics um let's get into some listener questions here from your our buddy brian seymour at the fancy best ball exclusive podcast fan tracks pitching gets super deep adp doesn't mean as much getting to pick 300 what do you look for in drafting pitching past this point we kind of hit on it but do you want to reiterate real quick yeah yeah because um so i'm looking for for good relievers who have a chance at saves and i'm looking for bad starting pitchers <laughs> um, who i think keep their jobs so again that's starting pitchers on bad teams um uh the royals were a great spot for this in the past like because they just didn't care i mean like they just these guys they'd have you know uh almost five eras and they'd get 180 innings and it's like okay like in a best ball point format where you only are going to get their good starts uh that's great like you know so um guys at the tail end of of bad rotations are, are a great spot for best ball pitchers um, yeah, I like that quite a bit, and it's it's sneaky. Uh, it doesn't look good. No, it's not sexy. It's yeah. no one's going great pick. You, you know, 
Danny Duffy was on every roster of mine the I last two years. Danny Duffy for like the last four rounds in ours. Just going, <laughs> I know he's going to give me paybacks throughout he's the season. He's not good, but like, you know, he's or he hasn't been good. No. Right. And then I look at Chris Bubick going, yeah, later in the draft, he will get yeah, me points. Again, like, he has a job. Yep. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy. You're going to just turn the mindset off. Um, at Zach Roto asks, um, he says, how many games played for, are you discounting for Sinzel, Dahl, Hanniger, and Bucks, and Dahl now gone? Yeah. Um, or just rank them from most games played to uh, least. Um, so I will, if I remember, Buxton is going to be number one on that, which is crazy that you can make a list that I'm putting him as the number one in the playing time. And I, do, <laughs> if you're somebody who adjusts projections for playing time, you have to adjust Buxton playing time. You That's why I took him to the best ball because if he's playing, he's putting up points. Yeah, he's good when he plays, but you have to be prepared that he might miss some time, and that's fine as long as it's baked into the price. Take him, and you know, you just try and get what you can get. Sinzel, oh. Sinzel's. We think he's talented. We think because I don't think we've had a long enough sample in the in the majors to really know for sure. Um, he's he's a guy who, if you look at his injury history, it's a bunch of weird stuff. There's some there's some kind of repetitive stuff in there, but there's some weird stuff in there. I, I want to see a full season from Sinzel before I'm investing. Um, so I'm not probably drafting him. But if I had to rank him, it's above Hanniger, no question. Um, I, I, I Mitch burned me two years in a row, um, but I don't know how you can put any kind of faith in Mitch Hanniger until we see him back on a baseball field. Yeah, it's tough. Like it's really tough. Because last year we were doing this, going into they were like he's going to be fine, he's going to be ready by the time the season starts. We're all good, and then he never played. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's supposed to be healthy and good to go, like you said. And then nothing. I was like, what the heck just happened there? Yeah, that was quite bizarre. Um, a couple more listener questions here. We got Adam Scott at AS Goldie asks. There are several players: Judge Doll again, Pollock. <laughs> everyone loves Doll. It's so funny. <laughs> Doll that are injured more than the average player. But when they are healthy, they can put up amazing weeks or even a month. Is this player more valuable than a steady compiler like Goldschmidt? He usually avoids streaky players. So he's curious because he usually avoids them. But he's wondering, in a best ball format, because we know how good they can be when they're playing, are they more valuable than the kind of slow and steady plotter? So I look at um, – when I think streaky, I think performance streaky, not injury streaky. So uh, when I think streaky, streaky, I think Aldoberto, Al, Aldoberto Mondesi. Um, right. Cause he's a guy who's like been really down and then just incredible. He's been a guy who runs. Um, I think, uh, Justin Upton is another good example of a guy like this, not as much as his brother was, but like just runs. Like he's just a guy who like, as soon as you're ready to drop him, he just takes off and he's, you know, he's just, so though that's streaky to me when I think of injury guys, um, I'm more, you know, saying, okay, as long as I don't have to pay Aaron judge price, if I don't have to pay, you know, 650 plate appearances of Aaron Judge, if I don't have to pay that price, I might consider him. But in my opinion, most people, he will not go far enough to reflect the amount of time I expect him to miss. Um, there's always like a few guys in every draft that still believes. In yeah, there's. Guys. Yeah, and I think some of that's philosophy. There's always somebody who's saying, "Look, I want to take the talent." Right? I'll just take the talent. Um, I think Pollock is different because he's he's really reasonably priced player. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that if you, you say he's my, you know, back into my starting outfield, maybe the number six guy on my team, six outfielder on my team, something like that, which I think that's about where he's going in these best balls. I'd be okay with that. Um, you know, as long as you make sure that you have enough outfielders around him. So when he does get hurt, you can, you got another guy to kind of take the, take the, and Pollock brings up a question for me. Um, he plays about 60 to 70% of the games, but he's kind of in a platoon, not a strong platoon, but in a platoon. We know the Dodgers do a lot of platooning. Some other teams have some. When you're drafting, it's like the old football handcuff strategy of the running backs. Mm-hmm. Do you try to do that in best ball or do you say no? No, I don't want to do that in best ball. I I want to um, have as much – I want to have upside, that, that kind of measured upside, if you will. And so if you're taking both sides of a platoon, you have one player. Um and so I want to. I, I would rather have two players who are on the strong side of a platoon than one player than than two players that give you the whole side of the platoon. If that makes sense, no, it makes a ton of um, sense. It's a ton of uh, sense. But I don't love if I'm going to take a platoon player. They got to be on a good team uh, to make it it's really work. Yeah, right. So the Paul is a good example of that. But I don't want to take a platoon player on the 
Uh, the Royals. Pirates. The Royals. Yeah, I mean, not <laughs> not to just pound them. The Tigers. Like I'm not taking yeah. a platoon player for the Tigers. You know that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, Art from Triple Play Fantasy asks us. Does he know? Do, or do you? Does he? Does Derek know of any pitchers who have recovered from carpal tunnel surgery? And if so, does he have thoughts on Steven Strasburg? So I don't know of any. I've looked into this. Um, I could not find any good examples of of this surgery uh, on a starting pitcher. Um, what I would say is I'm less concerned about the carpal tunnel than I am about everything else. Um, you know, you look at Steven Strasburg's injury history on the injury timeline tool. And it's, it's beautiful. It's very colorful. There are it gets a doctor just so excited. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it, you know, and so it's like, you know, the, the carpal tunnel is just the next, it's just the last thing it's, you know, so I'm not taking it because of his entire injury history. I'm not necessarily more concerned about this recent injury relative to his other injuries. No, that makes sense. That makes sense as well. Um, that is the last listener question, but I do have a question for you in, uh, the best ball league we are in right now. How do you, uh, let, let me, let me pull up your roster. here. Well, and while you're doing that, I did see one listener question, uh, from that snuck in from the, from the post last week. And it's not a fantasy baseball one. And, and, it, but it, but it hit me, it hit me in a soft way. So, um, one of the guys, in, this is, uh, open bar fantasy. Oh, open bar fantasy. I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. That oh, um, and uh, they're, they're central Illinois guys like I am. Uh, and their question was what my favorite, uh, what my favorite horseshoe was from Darcy's. Now Darcy's is a local uh, bar pub here in, uh, in central Illinois. Uh, but, but most people uh, who are not from my area have never heard of a horseshoe. Uh, a horseshoe is a Midwest special and Bubba, I think you're going to like this. Okay. Um, it is an open face sandwich. You already got uh, me. Yeah. Yep. So open face, <laughs> uh, you could do hamburger. The, the traditional is a hamburger with cheese, French fries over the top, and then a homemade cheese sauce that goes over the French fries. So it's just like this. it's a Midwest Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a glorious mess. But it is. Oh. I mean, it, it's one of those things. That every now and again, we have some folks come in from from out of state. Uh, we had some people in from uh, from California, you know, uh, and they're like, "What is this? Like, like you guys eat this with some regularity?" It's like that's why our hospitals are very nice. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love the Midwest. I don't know how oh, much yeah. I don't know how much you've heard me talk about it, but I'm a big Wisconsin fan. I have friends that live in Milwaukee that have gone to sure. Madison. So for a while there, when we got out of school, we were flying back every year to a game and visiting and driving around. And we've, we've gone to other places in the Big Ten to watch games with yeah. Matt with Wisconsin. And just kind of seen it all. I haven't gone to Champaign yet, yeah. but um, I've been to a bunch. And A, the people are amazing. Like the most down to earth. Literally, there's a couple trips where our main friend wasn't there. We just had Wisconsin gear on and we were invited anywhere we wanted to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your family like, there. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Um, but like you said, the food, it's <laughs> for a big guy like me. Like me and my buddy literally just the other day were sitting like there's a bar in Milwaukee called Stenny's and they have deep fried um oh why am I blank um sauerkraut and roast oh, beef yeah sure and, and the dipping sauce like we've never heard of them before and we're sitting we were literally talking about them going we really need to go back to to Milwaukee here pretty soon because it's <laughs> it's been a while um but just everything over there the the different beers the different this that traditions. I love the Midwest. I've told my wife I'd retire there. I just can't do the snow. It's cold time. It's very cold. I don't mind the temperature. I just I, driving on ice where I don't know it's coming scares the living snot out of me. It, as it should. <laughs> it is terrifying. Because I've been in those situations. My I see my buddy's vehicles that live there, and it's just like I, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. Today was but, the first uh, day we had frost on vehicles in my town, and I was like, "Oh no, it's I mean, really here." <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I, when we get frost on our vehicles, it thaws out by like six thirty in the morning. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I, it was it was thirty one this morning, but it's already like it was seventy seven yesterday afternoon. Oh my so gosh, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm good. I, I can handle this. But I love visiting there. It's beautiful during like the summertime, early fall. Like yeah. everything about the Midwest is absolutely amazing. So are you an Illini fan? I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm not a huge college sports fan. If if I'm like you know, if I'm going to go to a game, it's going to be it's going to be a Illini game. I'll, I'll drive over to Champaign. It's about an hour away. Um, but, uh, much to the chagrin of, of my friends here, I am not an Illinois fan. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a constant, uh, constant annoyance for them. Well, then are you a Bears fan? I'm not, I'm a Packers fan. 
So I, I yes, you, yes. They love you there. They must love yes. you in Illinois. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I really, and, uh, and I don't like the Cardinals and my area is kind of Cardinal nation. So I You're really, like, I really push all the buttons. Like I'm just, that's outstanding. Like, I respect that, that so much. Yeah. That's the, the I, 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 I can sit here and talk to you about this forever now. Like, I, I love everything about the Midwest, but the first time we went to Madison, we had to fly out on Sunday out of Milwaukee and I'll never forget we stopped at the bar next to the airport to grab lunch, and the sign said NFL Sunday ticket. We're like, sweet, we'll go watch some games. And it says, watch all games here. It's so like, awesome. You walk in, every game had the Green Bay <laughs> game the on. Packers. Yeah. And every game had it on. And I remember my buddy walks up to the bar. Like, the guy that lives there laughed at us. He's like, don't even bother. And my buddy <laughs> goes, oh, we'll try the sign, says it out front. So he walks up, and they go, sir. Um, if you want, there's one in the corner over there. I'll put it on for you. Other, other than that, this is green. Like, if Green Bay is not playing, you're fine. Otherwise, this yeah. is it. it Any fun. game that you want, as long as it's the Packers. Have you been to Lambo? I have. I have been a couple times. I've been very fortunate. To, yeah. Uh, it's a blast. It is. Uh, a, yeah, we did that. That was probably one of the cool ones. I'm a diehard baseball fan. Like, uh, baseball over everything for me. But Lambo is an experience. Like, you park oh, yeah. on people's front lawns. It's nuts. Like, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, we'll wrap it up with that. Uh, plug away on everything you got again, and uh, and and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me uh, Twitter's where you see a lot of my stuff. Uh, it's uh, drhoa3 on Twitter. Uh, Jag Fantasy Sports is where the, uh, the tools, the injury tools reside. Those are free, available to everybody. If you're interested in the uh, in the draft tool, that's over there on Jag Fantasy Sports too. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome stuff. If you are doing the rating and reviewing contest right now on the podcast, I said that you could do that till the 15th. If you don't have iTunes for some reason, that is fine. You could go to the, um, the YouTube page and like and subscribe to the YouTube page. And I'm going to give away one of Derek's uh, best ball tools. So go check that out. Um, and Derek, thanks for joining me, man. I had a blast talking to you and we will definitely do it again sometime. All right. Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. No problem, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 325, talking best ball and injuries with Derek Rhodes. See you later.